Welcome to the second season of All Heart Podcast. We're so excited to share weekly content with you. This week we're doing our normal episode and the next week we're going to do a question and answer format. So it's going to be really fun. Check it out. If you're feeling this podcast, share with a friend. We want to spread by word of mouth. Let them know by sending them a text with this episode as a link. And we'd love to hear what you think. Hit us up on IG, All Heart Podcast, or email us allheartpodcast at gmail.com. We hope you're doing well. We wish you nothing but love and pleasure and joy for your day. Check out the episode. Your seat is. It could be. It, we would need a black light to find all your seed. You don't need that to find my eggs. You know, when I was little, I used to get scared. You know, I read something. You know, you, you know, you kid. You, you pick up little stuff. shit. Yeah. I was like, what if I use a towel that another man that a that man, man used? Then I get pregnant. Did yeah. you ever think that? I. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I grew up Catholic, so yes, yeah, I can't they remember. They scared that us with thought? a lot of stuff. They scared exactly. us. Exactly. Catholic school got you. Yeah. They're like, don't look. But they told me I was an apostate. A so what? Apostate? Apparently, it's like a, it's like a, like a rejected person <laughs> in the Catholic Church. Because my, what? because I, I think it was I don't remember how this happened. We had this really interesting teacher. He used to play "Come to My Window." Who was that song by? Come to my window. Remember Who that? Does sing that. That's like a dentist song, like a song you hear. Right. And but he would make Come us listen to it every fucking window. class, and he was like, "She's talking about the spirit of God." And I was like, "Do we know that for sure? Like, have you interviewed this artist?" And so, wait, was, you went to Catholic school too? I went to a Catholic high school. Dang, we connected. Oh, yes. We connected. And so, you know, I think, I can't remember, but me, I told him, you know, yeah, my dad was Catholic. You know, I don't believe I was baptized Catholic. I may have been. I don't know. And he was like, oh, that would make you an apostate. You got to come back. And I was like, not after you call me a fucking apostate. I don't even know what that is. But I don't want to be here. I know that much. <laughs> hey, y'all. Welcome to the oh, All Heart yeah. Podcast. Hey. <laughs> we have people listening in we just started recording and we just started talking about you know randomness head head, head. <laughs> you head 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 you know there are okay we're gonna let this go but there are the, well we're talking about sex today so i think we could we could just talk about we head. Do, yeah we could, I talk, mean, we could just keep talking about head i i, I know that i feel like the older you know, my friend's circle gets, I don't hear head come up as much. But I think it's, you know, people just have issues. And, we're, you know, today we're talking about black people specifically have issues with sexual liberation. Yeah. And that is creating an environment of sexual tension that turns into sexual deviance and violence. Okay, let's do our heart to heart check. Okay, how you doing, first. girl? How you doing, Thea? I'm doing good, you know what I'm saying? What's what's been up? This is our second season of We can't all even heart go podcast. into what's been up because when you are friends with me, you know that like a two week span means like a lot of shit. A lot of shit has happened. It's just like what is it at the twenty I don't know. It's early it's late January. Late so January. and already I'm like, it's just we just a month in? Like can we just can we just talk about uh we shared a dream? We did share a dream. 
We did share. I got share you a little you. gift from our dream. Thank you so much for the gift you got me. It, me and Thea had the same dream. It was so beautiful. It really was. And we had it around the same, probably near the same day. Yeah. And yeah. So it felt really good to be that connected to each other. But what's been going on with you? How's your heart feeling? How did the new year start with you? Uh, New Year's is like actually when I think about it like probably my favorite holiday mm-hmm. I'm the most excited for New Year's and not I don't do the whole like pressure shit with New Year's I just like the idea of a conscious intentional new beginning because there's so much in our life that's not conscious and not intentional right. that like I really enjoy um, you know that process it, it it always allows me to see the things that I did not give myself credit for that year and to um, go into the new year like really aspiring to do better at that you know mm-hmm. um, and also it's just funny to see like how you thought your year was gonna go and it's like why do you keep thinking your year is gonna be <laughs> like predictable like it's never actually predictable and so this year it feels really good to go into it knowing that like to to accept that, to like, I have no idea what this year is going. Um, I'm just open to it. And uh, the chakra I'm probably nurturing the most because they feel pretty strong is, is the heart. It's just like, mm. you know, really um, accepting who you are and being very okay with it. We were just kind of talking about that. Like, you know, we do a podcast called All Heart and Joy and Pleasure. And both of us have people that come to us. Like we're like gurus on different things. But I am not your guru. No, I intentionally cuss and keep the sides of my head shaved so you know. And even after all my logic and my theory. I add a move. So you, I just, <laughs> I never want to be boxed in. I always want to be able to love my shadow and my light. And I, um, I, I think that's just... That's just it. That's what it means, right? If mm. if that means like uh, as a Leo, I can come off arrogant, you know. Hey, I'm, you know, sorry, not sorry, <laughs> right? Because like that's not what I'm trying to do. But mm. hey, I can't control how everybody's going to interpret it, and I definitely can't shrink to make you more comfortable with it. So it's going to be a. I feel like the word big comes up a lot for me right now. Ease comes up a lot for me now. Shine and like no fear. I I feel like this is going to be my most fearless year yet. Mm, I love that. I love that. Um, I'm doing cool. I'm, I'm doing good. There's been a lot of different shifts too. Yeah. Like this last few weeks just been really active. I was um, solo parenting mm-hmm. for 10 days. I have mad support. Shout out to all my supporters. <laughs> Held down, held me down while I was working and homeschooling, and just really supported my vision and what I want for my my new year to start like. But you know, a special shout out to the single moms because yeah, yes, yes, yo, yes, yes, yo, I was like. I was like, let me just kiss my partner's feet when he right, walked right, back in right. because that joint was very difficult to yeah. spend just 10 days just being the primary person that yeah. people talk to. It's the talking. It's not just Oh it's my not God, the it's care. the talking. It's the talking. <laughs> yes. So like, umi, 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 umi. <sighs> so we made it. Mama, I made it. I'm here. Yes. Um, I think my words for the year, I'm really I'm focused. Yeah. You know, I have a real focus on um, what I want to feel. Yeah. I want to really stay in the flow of connection. Mm-hmm. 
I want to really stay in the flow of abundance. Yeah. I want to really stay in the flow of community. It meant a lot to me to not feel isolated mm-hmm. in 10 days of just mm-hmm. being parenting alone. Like mm-hmm. I felt so incredibly taken care of. Mm-hmm. And that meant a lot to me. Like that means like I'm I'm doing something right, mm-hmm. you know. I'm what I'm receiving back is really reflective of what I'm giving mm-hmm. and yeah, that that felt really good to me. It was a good start to it and yeah, I'm really like I really love this podcast. Yes. Like I yeah. want to share it with more folks. I want um folks to talk to other people about it. Like I'm really focused on this podcast growing organically. Yes. And to get to know the people that are listening. That's like a big thing for me. Like who's listening to this? Why are they listening to it? Why what are they thinking about? Mm-hmm. And starting to have a real conversation like with who who our audience is. Yeah. You know, and building community. So if you listen in, I want to <laughs> build a community with you. For sure. You know? So that's that's me. Um You know that that Ten days you're talking about it reminds me. Um, our sister podcast. We have a sister podcast. Mm-hmm. Then Black Mamas did an episode on building a village, right? And that reminds me of that because that episode we got a lot of listener feedback on the challenges for single moms with building village and you know not having a person to call for this and the limitations of it. And we're able to come up with some really really great strategies to. Prevent the isolation that you're talking about. Because, we, you know, everybody, you know, you love your nieces, your nephew, you can can drop them off. You can drop them (laughs) off. You know, you can curtail the conversation. Um, But my my husband has the patience of Joe because um, my stepdaughter is endlessly, endlessly asking questions. Like, I'm sitting there with the most massive eye roll. And he's like... (laughs) Well, how would that work? And what if we did? And I was like, oh my God. They're, they're, they're just going all the way. They're equally curious. It's it's a blessing for the two of them to have each other in that way. Um, because I'm such an inward processor of my thoughts and ideas that I think yeah. um, a lot of externalizing that can drive me absolutely nuts. I would go, <laughs> I would go crazy. But... Um, but yeah, like, you know, even just that, like being present and talking to everyone. So I think that's a really good point um, about like having community and, 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 and building you, village. You know, one of the best things for me to do that at the top of the year, the first week of the year, I decided I didn't want to be on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I just was like, I don't want to be on Instagram all day. And right. so I deleted the app. And I spent the first week, I, I was really shooting for a month, but yeah. <laughs> that shit is addicting. <laughs> it is, and sickening at the that same time. That scroll is addicting. I have like a time limit on it now, like 30 minutes yeah. or whatever per day. Sometimes I'd be like, ignore. <laughs> <laughs> ignore my time limit. But th- that first week, I was so present in my yeah. life. And yeah. I got to acknowledge what my village looked like. Yeah. Yeah. I got to really put focus toward my creative like ideas and yeah. my goals and I just really I can't recommend it, it enough. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I can't recommend yeah. the offline life yeah. enough. I was reading a book called um How to Not Always Be Working. Oof. Which for me I need that book. You need that book. I'm gonna get you that book, girl. Thank That's gonna you. be my That's gift to you. Because you. you know I need it. How to not I think always... about working. <laughs> 
constantly. But it, it's important, like, how to not always be working. How to, I, I used to have a practice where I would hold Shabbat, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like dating some, uh, <laughs> Good Lord, you know, harking back to my, my oh, 20s, dating yes. a Hebrew Israelite, <laughs> a Lamert Parkian. And he really believed in holding the Sabbath on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. So Friday night to Saturday night, no work, no phone, nothing. Yeah. Just being, you know, just eating a Shabbat meal, doing some prayer. And I I really, you know, I was really thinking about that these last few weeks, like having a day of of complete, complete rest, complete rest. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't have that. And I I find it, you know how some people, they can't tell when they're full eating. Mm -hmm. I'm like that with working. Like it can become pretty compulsive. And I, even on my break, I was off for a month. I worked and um, Mm. there was one day I was like, you did a lot of work. Like you finished a novel, you finished a course. Like she finished a I novel. Finished a novel. There was just like a lot, and I was like, "Don't do anything." But it 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 literally takes divine intervention to stop me from working. And I, it's not even like a, it's not an avoidance technique. It's not because I've been through all that. Like, okay, am I avoiding? Am I? It's not that. It's just my nobody knows my mind is constantly yeah, it's creating. Yeah, it's yeah. constantly creating. And yeah. and not only creating, but then it wants to act on what it's created. And so I mean, I've had we, to learn we need to, to do really... A, we need to do an episode about workaholic because like we both are. For sure. We both, we both are yeah. into getting that work in. But that rest... That rest. That day of rest, you know, is important. important. Like yeah. ordering... Yeah. You don't have to. I have been okay with cutting corners. Now, you know that? I'm going to tell you the truth. No, that's been hard with you because Noni, <laughs> organic, everything, you know, don't feed your kids cheeses. You know what I'm saying? And every time, you know, I admit I had to pull out some cheeses. Feed, feed your kids cheeses. I, <laughs> I don't feed but I my kids like, cheeses. But I was like, I hear Noni in the back of my mind, like, you know, I don't know if this is the right. Just but give I them had a nice be liver like, cleanse after like, Yeah, afterwards. Cheeses. Exactly. That's what, I give them some tea. But I mean, I had to give myself permission to be like, you know, you you sh- you don't need to cook today because it will be a very resentful meal um, <laughs> or whatever the case may be. But I, I think this year I am learning already um, that it's not about. Like it's whatever's gonna come through is not gonna come through necessarily because I'm doing, doing, doing. Mm-hmm. It's gonna come through because it's meant to come through. And so that uh, not assigning value to that in terms of deservingness, like me deserving it because I've worked this hard or I've been a good mm-hmm. person or whatever, removing that from it again, I think we'll let this year like really unfold in this way that it's not. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and that goes back to what we were saying about owning shadow and light. Like mm. none of us came here as prophets that I know of. I mean, some do. And guess what? We find out later in the backstory that them motherfuckers was cheating on their wives and shit. <laughs> like, you know, everybody we like hail. It's, as a, it's a lot of pressure to be a prophet. But even the people who are, we find later on that there's like shit because that's balance. Because it's human. It's human. It's balance, right? The thorn yeah. in the side. So this year's really about em- like embracing that, bringing the shadow into the light and being like, you, you the homie too. 
you're the homie tell. <laughs> you know, and I don't want people around me who gonna love all of us. Yeah. Uh, I got a shadow. I got a shadow. I got light. I got both. Yeah. And I'm, I feel like I don't ever shrink at, at expressing that. I got a temper. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I got a temper, <laughs> baby. It take a minute. But the, those of us who are like calm gurus, it's because we have a temper and we have to really hey, learn hey, how to hey, I'm control not a guru. it. Like, I'm not a guru. Not a guru. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, perceptionally. But but <laughs> those of us who have a lot of spiritual knowledge or do a lot of spiritual, it, you know, it really came hey. through. Think about the Hulk. The Hulk had to learn to meditate in the mountains. <laughs> right? Yeah. He yeah. has to control that. I got a Hulk. That. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You had to learn how to control that heart rate. I gotta hug and I gotta breathe. You know, <sighs> I gotta, I gotta do, do, a, do that pranic breathing to calm down. Yeah. So, what's our our topic today, Thea? This is what Thea want to talk about. Okay, you know, you what you're not gonna do. <laughs> An this is a unified. This is effort. what Thea <laughs> wants to talk about, y'all. Okay, so we were all. Traumatized by the R. Kelly documentary, oh and I'm just letting God. you know now we're not going to like relive that. But as the therapist in me is endlessly curious about the culture that cultivates and makes things like this possible, and looking at like all the dynamics, yeah. of, and and again the therapist in me seeing like the rationalization, the intellectualization, the, all the defense mechanisms that popped up, right? The denial, the avoidance, and you know, all the, these reactions. The system that R. Kelly created around himself. And that he was me. not alone in creating. Oh, my right? God. So, like, that's what... There were, like, a team. There's teams of people. There's teams of people. But I, I, I also want to go into, like, discussing sexuality within the black community because we do not yeah. discuss this at all. Let's do it, girl. Come on. So let's first start with like our reactions. I'm just going to say, <laughs> right? Like that's the best way I can say it. It's like nauseous. My uh, stomach was fucked up for days. I went to my shrine and was trying not to pray niggas dead. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I can't just open my mouth and wish death upon all these people. And I want to say that it took me a while to kind of get around to it because yeah. I didn't, I know me, I know, I know that how the subconscious mind works. Yeah. The subconscious mind takes in something and wants to recreate it. Yeah. I did not want to put that information into my subconscious mind. One of the most brilliant minds I feel that I've been inspired by when I was coming up is Dream Hampton. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to honor her work. Mm-hmm. I wanted to really see, you know, what she had done. She really helped develop my um, my feminism, my womanism, mm-hmm. my perspective as a young girl and how I was relating to music. She's since retired as a music journalist and does a bunch of other really great things. But her early work, like, really affected me. So mm-hmm. I was like, mm. You know, we've talked about R. Kelly on this podcast before. Yeah. I've had a lot of feelings about yeah. R. Kelly. I write about R. Kelly in my journals. Yeah. <laughs> I um I really think a lot about R. Kelly and I've researched a lot about a lot of these stories. Most of them were not foreign to me. Right. So I didn't really it was like this isn't really for me. Like that's mm-hmm. why I was like, this isn't really for me to watch. I already really know a lot about it, but I was also excited to see some sort of uh, what's the word um, accountability or like reckoning or like something like mm-hmm. that come come to be and so 
when I started watching it though, dog, like the things, it wasn't just R. Kelly. It was, I didn't realize my own life mm-hmm. story would be so present mm-hmm. while watching. Mm-hmm. To watch someone who had groomed mm-hmm. an entire generation. Like yeah. this man used his music to groom Mm-hmm. Me mm-hmm. and my peers mm-hmm. to be all right mm-hmm. with dating these old ass dudes. Mm-hmm. Like when I thought back to my first partners when I was 16 and 17, being in their mid to late 20s mm-hmm. and the kind of ways that my sexuality was shaped by that, mm-hmm. like Thea, mm-hmm. I had to hit up the homie like, oh, that was rape. Mm, like mm-hmm. I didn't get it Of course not I didn't get it of Because not. of R. Kelly though My nigga Like yeah. I didn't understand no. Because I had heard AJ Number But a number so right. many times right. Aaliyah was my hero Right I heard her Bump and grind Bump right. and grind the remix Like everything About my sexuality Was I mean I was, was a huge I was R. Kelly was I was a true black girl listening to R. Kelly all the time. Like all my sexual memories have R. Kelly like wound up in them. Yeah. But, and, and not only was his grooming happening, but there was also for many black girls silence around the issue of their sexuality. For sure. So there's nothing at home. Right. And, and so when someone takes the initiative to inform you about your sexuality and they're an adult, Right, it's uh, easy powerful. To, it's easy to believe. When I did um, my daughter's, I, I don't know if I talked about this, but I did Red Tint. There's a book called The Red Tint by um, Anita Diamant, and it's um, beautiful a beautiful, book. beautiful, beautiful book. book. And it, it to me, it's a beautiful story about that really changed my relationship to my menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And so from that book, I decided to throw a Red Tint party for my daughters when they started their periods, mm-hmm. and. Um, I always told them I was going to do that. I started talking to them about their bodies early when they were like eight. You let them tell it like, my mama told me bad sex when I was eight. Not true. And I started talking to them about their sexuality in terms of their bodies, how their bodies are shaping and forming, what would happen next. And and it's been a process starting at eight because right. sexuality shapes even younger than eight. It's just that's when I felt like cognitively we could have better conversations about it. I, I see it in my five-year-old. Absolutely. It's, yes. it's, it's very early. So yeah. people acting like children aren't sexual beings is a huge fucking problem. We all have sexual energy. Listen. We were made from it. We Sexual energy is created the second us. chakra. The second chakra starts being created at six months. Yeah. Six months, you're sitting up. You're looking around, you're understanding duality, you're understanding what you like and what you're attracted to and what you're not. So this illusion of children being a sexless, just like we do to elderly people, we make them sexless, we mute their sexuality. Because we look at children like they're cherubs, like right. they're little angels with no genitals. I mean, except black children, right? And right. so here we have the the, the dichotomy, Ooh. right? So in, in trying to be in proximity to this whiteness and this... Uh, Judeo-Christian, you know, Anglican view of piety, right? Mm-hmm. We also have the reality that our children have been highly sexualized since they were brought to this country. Many 
of them as children enslaved, right? right? So there's this really complex history, and I, I'll acknowledge that up front, right? That there was a lot of sexual violence, a lot of breeding, and forced homosexuality, and rape, and yeah. all these things that uh, were a part, yeah, that yeah. were a part of the uh, transatlantic slave trade and the and slavery as a whole, right? And so that is fully, fully acknowledged and accountable for a lot of the feelings of shame and silence and acceptance around these occurrences. Mm -hmm. But I'm more, what I really feel like where we have the power is to talk about how it's been maintained after the end of slavery, right? And so part of me looking at starting with my children's sexual development at eight, even though it started earlier, but the conversation starting when I felt like they were cognitively able to like understand it a little bit better, we had these red tent parties and I, they were inviting the, all the women in their community mm-hmm. were invited, right? So, you know, come on out and what we're going to do is give them wisdom and bring a dish because we're going to nurture them and then we're going to share our stories about mm-hmm. what happened when we started our period. I kid you not, 90 something percent, I would say, of the women there, no matter the age range, their parents had no conversation with them about their sexuality mm. around their menstrual cycle. It was like, here's a pad. It was all about cleanliness. You wrap it up, you do this, you clean it up. Don't let anybody know you're on it. Here's a little container to hide your pads in. It was all about shame, hiding, concealing, and being clean. Everything, mm-hmm. everything. To the point where these these were women <sighs> in their 60s crying at my young daughter's red tent party. And it was fine because it, it became a healing space, right? Right. It was beautiful because they were like, I can't imagine how differently I would have chosen things in my life had I had this at this age, right? And so there was this kind of repair work that ended up happening at their things. By the time the second one was throwing hers, she was inviting everybody. I mean, daycare <laughs> providers, after school work, everybody was invited. It was just, she wanted flyers, you know what I'm saying? So, and, Which is very, very much her personality. And I opened it up to their friends who had started their cycle and their parents hadn't planned anything around it or done anything around it. I wanted it to be a celebration. And so I say that because, you know, we, we leave huge gaps of information um, out there when we continue in shame and silence that the Pied Piper of R&B... <laughs> the Pied Piper. Right? Can it can get into and manipulate, right? And and what I realize is, like when I was thinking back to one my first sex partner, that I found someone very much like R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Someone that was... Oh, that there's was, a lot of people like that. <laughs> that's the part to me that I think... Was hard to look not look away from. Like I feel like a lot of people witnessed this documentary, Mm -hmm. but it was definitely made for us Mm -hmm. to -hmm. really look at ourselves. Yes, look at our pimp culture. Mm -hmm. um, Look at how look at our look at our music. Look at our entertainment and and our entertainers. Look at our entertainers. (laughs) Look at how we um, justify these things, like our role models. Our role models, like, and I I really thought about like my my mom and my dad, like, uh, you know, like where were they at? Like, Mm -hmm. where were they at when I was sixteen and seventeen, dating someone who was in his twenties? 
who had mm-hmm. his own apartment, mm-hmm. had his own car, mm-hmm. took me wherever, mm-hmm. did whatever, mm-hmm. introduced me to things I didn't understand, mm-hmm. like I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know about about th- those things. Mm-hmm. I was a sheltered like Catholic mm-hmm. school girl. I didn't really understand a lot of the things that I was being introduced to, and how much that has shaped my sexuality now. That it's hard for me to sometimes think about like. Is this something I like? Mm-hmm. Yes. Does this belong to me? Right, right. Or is it a perversion that was put in, in me, implanted mm-hmm. in me? Mm-hmm. Does this bring Does this bring me true pleasure, mm-hmm. or does this bring mm-hmm. me pleasure because it's all I was taught that this is right, what pleasure? Because I was exposed to it, and this this daddy culture, you know. Oh my god! And that. Oh my god! <laughs> this this daddy culture, this daddy role play, this. This and, and I mean, like, I have no judgment of it. Like, yeah. consenting adults, like, what what you want to do, what you want to do, like, yeah. whatever roles you want to play, how right, you want right, to get right, down. Right. But, but we just, do have to tap into the fact that 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 relates into a real archetype that some people are lacking, yeah, or some people feel they need a connection to. And and the biggest. <laughs> Part for me of watching that was seeing someone who had been abused probably for about seven years of his life mm-hmm. and how that shaped him and that he was abused by a woman. Yep. And a man. I believe he had two abusers. And yeah. Well, but so there's the other piece, right? So girls, shame, cleanliness, conceal, right? Right. right. Um, and also the fact that black girls are, are, are made to feel. Like they have to be responsible early, which means mm-hmm. like, well, you knew better, right? right? Not this grown person. You knew better. I told you, so you knew better. Held to a different standard in terms Why of were you there? responsibility. Why were you there? Uh-huh. But with black men and black boys, I think we've mentioned it before about um, the loss of physical touch um, yeah. when they hit puberty, but also homophobia. Right. Like literally... You know, when and now I know many black men more and more as we start talking about uh, molestation outside of gender and we just make it like a blanket thing, like people who have experienced sexual violence, more and more men are realized, oh, wait a minute. I didn't know that that was sexual violence when this 20 something year old woman would offered to have sex with me and I was 13. They didn't realize that because they're taught one, if you have a physical response to it, it means you want it. When we yeah. with men we say if they're hard, they want it, right? Yeah. And that's not that's not true. Those are two different functions. The physiological function that you have that's pretty much involuntary. <laughs> it is involuntary. And then there's a psychological one that says this is something that I like, which is the part you're talking about, right? That's what gets confused for people. I had a oh. physiological response, but psychologically, is that something that I wanted, that I desired, right? Then if he doesn't like it, will he be called gay, right? right? And does that constitute uh, being gay, right? So when- And then, and then uh, in, in here, okay, you're like you're naming, you're naming like the concept, right? And for me- I've engaged with the person. Mm-hmm. I've engaged with the you know exes that mm-hmm. have experienced those things. Yeah, and just like you would pass an STD to someone, mm-hmm. 
you're actually passing sexual trauma from from yeah. your from your childhood yeah. to me. Yeah. And every time we're having a sexual exchange, right. how we're building our intimacy is based on the sexual trauma that you experienced. Yes. So even yes. though I'm a grown woman, yes. right? So I'm I'm 25, but I'm dating someone 35 right. now. Now, if I was 15 and he was 25, it would be wrong. Right. But at this point, I'm 25 and he's 35 and it should be okay. Right. right? right. But he's had these experiences from when he was a right. child. Right. From older women. Right. And what we're exchanging doesn't feel um, life-giving. Right. Oh, yes. Doesn't feel life-affirming. And that could be if somebody's the same age. It really, I mean, once you're over, once we're, once you're over 18, you know... It, the the age piece becomes becomes less relevant because of um, everybody's gone through stuff by that point. So it's kind of like, and now there then it becomes about what have you experienced, right? Like that specifically, how have those experiences like shaped you? And that and um, then that person having that experience and passing passing that experience it on to and me. shaping yeah the relationship. Around and that. and so my question largely is like, I know that we're aware. That our community has a lot of molestation, mm-hmm. rape, sexual trauma. My thing is like, where do we heal it? Because when I'm in, let's say I'm in the relationship with mm-hmm. that person who's sexually traumatized mm-hmm. and they're only doing what they know. Right. They only, they're like, this is what feels good to me and and what has felt good to you. Or has, what they think feels good to them. Yeah, and right. it becomes more, you know, the people I, I've I've known it's, it turns into fetishy right. type type right. of stuff. And when it when it crosses over to certain lines, it's like this is what you think feels good. Like for me, I exit the relationship, right? Because this isn't healthy for me, right? But for others, like, right. I'm like, there's plenty of people who are in these scenarios. They maybe the, be the person right. that has the trauma, right? Like, what is what are what are the healing moments like? Because I feel like we're just passing trauma yeah, back, and, back forth. and forth. I felt like watching the, the 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 documentary, I just was re-traumatized. Right. I didn't walk away with. I think. Um, well, let me let me circle back really quick to, to young boys because I don't want to lose that piece of it. Okay. Is that for them? It's normalized in a different way. It's it's um, congratulated. When Little Wayne talked about right. when I was 11 years old, Bert, baby, mm-hmm. set it up, you know, yeah. in front of all these people. Yeah. His first sexual experience happened in front of a room full of people. Yeah. Right? Mm. Baby was older. So right? fucked up. Um, and and Little Wayne called it rape. He said, I was raped by, and it was good for me. Right? So you have boys being told you should feel good about this congratulations you're you're a man you're not gay like blah 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 it's just totally fucking warped right right um and then you have young girls being shamed and silenced and told to conceal it and not so when you bring these things to the table the biggest the biggest problem is that there's two safety cannot be established in this space yeah, there can be no safety cannot be established here, and I think we're really preoccupied, and and and, and there's justification for this at uh, definitely with whiteness, but we are not because of that preoccupation. We are not seeing the danger that is in our own spaces, right? Yeah, and so when you talk about what are the opportunities to to heal it, 
And, and I'm talking about like, it in an intimate way. In an intimate way. I'm not talking about like uh, Black Lives Matter. No, no. Black Girls right. Rock. Like No, I'm talking about it in an intimate way. Mm-hmm. This is exactly why I decided to become a black sex therapist. Mm. Because for me, what I realized is all what that all does, what that all does at the end of the day, and why it is still rooted in white supremacy and, and things from uh, establishing one group better than the other, is it, it prevents pleasure and joy. It, it distorts pleasure and it pre- blocks joy because all of that happens through the decision of or the feeling of or the connection to the body to say, I really genuinely like this. I really genuinely want this. And then that leads to the third chakra that says, well, let's go do it. Right. Yeah. And so if we can, this disruption is in the sacral. And, and when I saw that, I was like, they got us in the root. Like, do we have a right to exist? Do we have a right to food? Do we have a right to safety? Do we have a right to survive? But we never get asked the question do of I, joy. Do I, do I enjoy this? Does it feel good to me? And yeah. when I ask that question, it never fails that they cannot answer it because no one's ever asked it. And because it's buried beneath the shame, the concealment, or these false congratulations. And I'm getting more and more young men that come in and they feel empty mm. from those false congratulatory mm. moments. And they they don't understand. They, they want something real and connected, but they've been told that they should feel good with what this is. And I, I think a large part of our culture has this concept of the over-sexualized man who only wants sex. And it's true. It's not offering them many of them, fulfillment, the way that it, you know, that praise when you're younger, right? You grow out of that because you become a grown ass person, like who needs to yeah. feel it for real on the inside and yeah. not just be getting it through this external lens. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <sighs> I know. It's so much. It's so much. I do also have to say, and I don't, you know... We have to talk about, and I feel like a lot of what we're talking about will relate across identities and across ethnicities for sure. Um, I can only speak for the one I, you know, I belong to, but um, the role of religion. Okay. Do we? Yes. Yeah. I think we've talked about it a little bit before in our other sex episode, Um, but I think it's a, it's a really big thing here. Like, and when we look at the R. Kelly situation, it seems like so many of the women and their this is my thing about the backlash. Like so many people blame those girls' parents. And I was like, have you raised a teenager <laughs> ever? <laughs> ever? I haven't raised a teenager. Oh my God. However, I, I remember asking my mom, like, mom, like, why did you let me date someone so much older than me? And she was like, you lied about it. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom, right? People act like it's so hard. Like, first of all, and we didn't even have social media then. I mean, still, we were still doing shit on pagers. I was like, so? You you saw who he was. You saw how old he was. She was like, you would lie and do whatever you wanted to do. It's real. People people really overestimate the amount of control parents have over teenagers. Your time to influence is before 11. Mm. After when you get to like eleven, their main source of influence is this outside world, their peers, yeah. and their peers. And so, y- you know 
They yeah. shouldn't do it. And you know, you can what you can lock them down. You can do a lot of things. But guess what? You lock them down, DCFS is coming for you. Right. I mean, so there's just like a lot of things. There's a lot of things. You may have other kids in the house. I mean, there's a lot of risk involved in like trying to control someone who's determined to do something that they shouldn't do, especially a hormonal teenager. I'm not saying don't do everything you can, but I'm also saying you can't physically drag them to therapy. You can't physically lock them in their room. You, I mean, there's just shit you can't do. You can control a five-year-old. You can't control okay. a 16-year-old. Okay, so I have a controversial question for you because uh-huh. it's something that came up in my mind when I was watching it. And it was, you know, if we look in our traditional culture, mm-hmm. girls that were 15, 16, that's it. Like you're grown, mm-hmm. and there are that's but that's not the the culture that we're determining is um uh, we're determining it based on law, mm-hmm. and it's a law that's under basically white man's law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. White man's law says you must be eighteen mm-hmm. and over. But when you go to other places mm-hmm. around the world, mm-hmm. that law doesn't exist. I'm not saying I think this is right or mm-hmm. wrong. I'm just curious, like. Mm-hmm. We're, we're determining, like, I started to have a cycle when I was 10. Mm-hmm. We talked about the cycle kind of as a as a, a rites of passage mm-hmm. into your sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in the fifth grade, right, mm-hmm. when I was able to bear children. Mm-hmm. So, what, like, those are the things that physiologically I'm like, okay, uh, when I was 16, like, I was pretty much... Mm-hmm. Pretty much, very much de- as de- I won't say as developed as I am now, but my mind was very strong. Mm-hmm. I was very clear. I was pretty much taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. My parents were doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Like th- I can understand my mom's point of view was like, "You lied. You said that's what you wanted to do, so we let you do it." Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think yeah. I it, that's what I'm saying. It's not everything's complex. We like to put things in like little boxes and make them like nice and clean for our comfort level, but it's really not that. Like you can have a 16 year old that's completely compliant, and then you can have one that's like, no, I think I should do it this way. Like it, 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 it just depends on the situation. Everybody's doing the best they can with the information they have at that time, with the exception, with the exception. When we talk about the trauma, the sexual trauma that's passed back and forth, that's also sometimes passed into our parenting. Mm. And it's passed into, so are gender norms and expectations for, you know, different, you know, our children of different genders. And so, you know, you know, there were, there was, there were parents who were complicit. Yeah, they were. You know, that now that's a very different thing than a parent who was like, you know, she knew I would say yes, no. She knew I would say no, and so she lied. Or, you know, she knew I would say no, but I also knew she was going to do it anyway. And so sometimes parents have to decide between, will she cut off access to me? Like, will I, will I not be able to have access to her for when it does go south, for when it gets bad, right? Or will, or, because if I say, it's like some parents feel like if I say no, then she will not see me as an option if she needs me. Yeah. Right. And so they they have to walk a thin line of like, I need her to know I don't like this, but I'm here and you I I need you. I can't like talk bad about the person. I can't even though I hate the person, I can't Yeah, because they don't want to be completely isolated. They don't want to be completely isolated or cut out. Here's my thing about sexuality and in that kind of teenage years. Mm -hmm. I believe in a safe space for young children, young adults 
to be able to express their sexuality Mm -hmm. and to have a really clear, open communication Mm -hmm. about it. I think that all of this is a result of suppression. Absolutely. And all of this is a a result of Judeo-Christian, Puritan norms of what's normal and what's good and what's pure and what's... You know, all of all of that stuff, I think so much of, of our suppressed sexuality creates this deviancy. Yeah. Creates these um the creates the fetish. Cause yeah. why would you have a, a fetish if you were allowed to freely explore whatever your heart desired or whatever your your root chakra or your sacral chakra right. desired? Like if you're well, able to have that freedom to explore when you're young. It's also suppressed into the physical world. So we don't teach people how to use their sexual energy in multiple ways, in multiple parts of themselves. Right. How do you express your sexual energy emotionally? How do you express it psychologically? How do you yeah. expect to create? So we, we, we bunch it into the physical, but really it's not all meant to be expressed. Sexuality is desire. Yeah, knowing what you want, pleasure and enjoy. It's the reason we started this and podcast. And it's creation. It, yeah. And it's also transformative, which is why mm-hmm. I, I was like, if I'm going to work with the healing of black people, I have to work with sex. Yeah, Because I have to take a people who were stripped of the right to decide what they wanted and restore that mm-hmm. and repair that right, right? The right to decide what you want and to feel like you can have it. That really all comes from the same place. And when we think of sex, when we limit it to a physical form, then we do ourselves and our communities a complete disservice. Because like you said, when you when people hear, find a safe space for our kids to discuss or to explore sexuality, that's not physical. That could be conversations. That could be artistic creation. That could be dance. That could be... That could Food. be, that that could be, be so like many one of the things, things, like for instance, like belly dancing, mm-hmm. like belly dancing as a way to really awaken that sexual energy, that sacral energy, that root energy, and like make that energy go up. I, re- I remember yeah. a friend of mine, she's a beautiful belly dancer, mm-hmm. and we used to have these things called artist sessions. You know, we, we were young mm-hmm. artists and we would all get together at someone's house and Everyone would, it was like an open mic for the mm-hmm. homies, basically. Mm-hmm. And you could do whatever you wanted. And that day she came with her full belly dance outfit, yeah. but it was the homies. Yes. And we all worked together too. And I remember how much everyone was getting so turned on, like mm-hmm. everyone. <laughs> and it wasn't that everyone wanted to sleep with her. Right. It was just everybody awakened. Everyone's energy was just waking up because she was like so just sensual and mm-hmm. she was just like winking at everyone mm-hmm. and being just so flirty yeah. and it was it was it stands it's out it's powerful in, it stands out in my mind because i saw a woman fully in her own sexual power who was ple- being playful with yeah me, it know? is also that's the other thing it's the chakra of play and sex the physical form of sex yeah it's about connection but it's also about play and fun and when do we get to have fun? I mean, and, and when are we associated but like with us fun? as black folks? Like we we're like okay, go to strip club, you know, right? And that's and mm. that we have that same kind of experience, but it doesn't feel because like that same girl, the 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 wife version of that girl, yeah. has been told to conceal, yeah. to be clean, yeah. and to you know to hide it. Right. So then when when she's asked to like when she's at home, asked to strip, you know, she's like, 
she tenses up, right? Because she doesn't, she freezes up because she doesn't know what to do with that. Or, or the, or the male, or or the, the the male or the partner, the masculine partner who's looking at the feminine person saying, uh, "I don't want to desecrate. Right. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. want to turn." Right. You can't right. turn a hole into a housewife, right. like all of right. that stuff. Right. Like, right? There's so much, but there's so much that goes into that, which is why that work is so important. But I also want to um, mention that what triggered me probably the most, because you know I deal with abuse regularly. I'm right. a therapist, so I'm, I'm I have a higher tolerance for certain things. It's not that it's less disgusting. It's just I've been doing this shit for 14 years. Like right. I know the depths. And the darkness of humanity too well um, is the mm. the protect the black man at any cost. I know to the black women, like the number of black women who came out against these survivors, that makes me fucking crazy. This whole mythology that we've created within our culture that black men have suffered more. Has got to go. I have such a, I just see it as self hate, you know. Like I just, I, I have such a, a compassion for it. I guess the women that are talking like that, whether they be celebrities or not, it's just like there's something in you that's not loving you. Like there's something in you, and, and I want to separate because because I, I want to deal with the Badu comments. Okay, we per, will in particular. But the, you know, I'm, I'm this. There is a syndrome in our community of like, no matter what it takes, you know, no no matter what, it's like their lives are more valuable than ours. We see it when we're killed by police. Mm-hmm. Less people show up. It becomes less of a thing. If I the, mean, it, it's real. I mean, it's real. And so but I, it's, it's my, I mean, it's misogyny, though. It's just what it another is. Another thing we don't get to fucking talk about <laughs> because we always worried about Whitey. And it's like, <laughs> this shit is very present. This Okay, it is Whitey because it's Whitey's way of thinking that has been imposed on our community. But we're not challenging whether or not that's congruent with our values. I mean, that that's the part of that whole, that whole documentary is that it was about black girls. Nobody gave a fuck. And we know that that's why everyone. I and mean, they say it in the why. documentary. It keeps being really clear. It's because they're black girls. And and honestly, when when I even think about my childhood, I'm like, ah, it's probably because I was a black girl that people weren't as concerned. Yeah, like because the expectation is you knew better, or that we're responsible, or that we're resilient. Like all these things, all the things you want to characterize us as, never involve our care. The, the, Never involved the, the fact that we require care too. My biggest trigger is that video. That video, like Ugh. that video, triggers me so much because it's a joke. Yeah, because it's a child who's a joke, and like in in the documentary, them putting into context, and yeah. the girl who was also in in that video yeah. and sleeping yeah. with her, and knowing how old she was, and didn't and tell knowing, her, yeah, knowing her body and all of that stuff. For me, that it's a joke like that this is a joke like it's Mm -hmm. still a joke it's still funny to people yeah and i think a lot of shit is funny i'm funny like i love to fucking laugh all the time but like that a baby a a baby being desecrated her femininity being destroyed and she was so young yeah that it's a joke to me it's just what you're saying like and and i don't really know what to do about that theist like 
yeah, like black women, black men being more valued. This this idea of oppression, the oppression Olympics, right? Doesn't it doesn't I don't jive with it. Like, right. who's more oppressed, the black woman or the black man? Like, okay, I'm more in resonant with okay, black women. Why aren't you? standing up for yourself like why would a black woman defend r kelly like that that is more yeah what is me but what is the self-love switch that's not on there see when we're talking in our own community i'm not talking fuck the oppression olympics we're talking about some real ass shit like the mythology within our country forget within our culture forgets that we were also lynched that we were also killed that we were kept alive because they needed to breed us and they needed somebody to feed their kids or else there would have been more dead bodies that we were disposable. You see what I'm saying? And so I feel like the mythology and a lot of it came from, you know, not wanting the man to leave, not wanting him to be taken away and he, him physically being taken away in these different forms from this idea of at all cost, protect him, keep him here, keep him in the home, keep him with us. Right. But we did that. My point. And we did that. I'm talking about we, black women. We said at all costs. Right. We as mothers, as grandmothers. Right. We right. are the one. That's that's why I'm like, it's not on the the dudes aren't aren't the ones to my, be held accountable there. No, that's my us. my my comment was the myth itself. Not who's responsible for the myth, because there's collective responsibility for the myth. Because mm. let's not act like black men haven't benefited from this myth. And we have, a, I can drag 16,000 hoteps in here right now. Do you remember, we'll, don't you remember the 90s though? Like the 90s, like save black boys. Yeah. Like, and or even like the, every, the fucking, um, every they have book, bumper stickers. Yeah, every like, book was about saving black boys in the 90s. Well, exactly. And, and I, and I, and I also feel like, okay, when I watched, well, you know, if you haven't seen it or you haven't read the book, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> if Bill Street could talk, right? Okay. We have so many stories that are, you know, you know, I'm one of the people who like loving basketball just drives me crazy. Right. Because I, I'm one of the people who always feel like our stories are always the most beautiful love stories for us are always related to the black woman giving up something. They always result I mean, you might in wanna, that. You might want to say it again for the, the people in the I'm back. Just, our love stories, the ones we hold up and that we want to love like that, always have to do with a sacrifice on the part of the black woman. And, you know, I feel like, okay, if that's what we're talking about, then we also give fucking homage to the fact that she's held down culture for Ever, but our pimps are our heroes. Now, let me tell you one thing about this documentary that really fucked with me. <laughs> y'all can't see me, but I got my finger. She does. She has a finger pointed. It's getting real up in here, y'all. <laughs> we feel this is real. We knew it would be, but we real. Look, after a while, he becomes a super villain. After the fifth episode, I said he's untouchable. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He becomes the villain. We love the villain. Everyone mm-hmm. loves the villain. Mm-hmm. We we love Scarface. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We love the Godfather. Mm-hmm. We we love the Godfather. Mm-hmm. Michael came out and said, "Pat, pat, 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 pat." We love brother. We love the Godfather. Mm-hmm. We love Scarface. Right. We love drug dealers. Right. We the love. Thought, we yeah. love gangster shit. That's what we love. We love the villain yeah. that gets away. Yeah. You know who I was rooting for? The Joker. That's right. who I'm rooting for. Right. You know. 
right. like not Batman. Right. I'm rooting for the Joker. That that nigga's right. cold. Right. You know. After a while, I get the person watching it. They're looking at R. Kelly like a superhero. Mm. When I'm watching this, I'm like, the whole thing is just like about, and then he made another hit. Right. And then he made another one. And he fooled you here. He fooled you there. Mm-hmm. It was like, this illiterate dude is very savvy. Like, he becomes superhuman. Right. To the right. point where I'm looking, my subconscious is starting to get confused. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can see how someone walk away from there and not... Yeah, he's a sick and twisted person and all of that. They don't have compassion for him, but he seems untouchable. Right, right. And I think that there's something that when you're talking about our culture and we're we're talking about the mythology. The mythology. The mythology Mm -hmm. that we've created is a prison for Mm -hmm. the black man. Mm -hmm. The mythology we've created, that that prison that the black man lives in, that the black man is cooler than everybody, better Mm -hmm. than everybody. Mm Could fuck up anybody mm-hmm. more powerful than anybody that's a prison for the black man to live in yeah but that that black man has a as a black woman that's got to be under his thumb mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. got to be it in some way in service and submission to him mm-hmm. that's the mythology that we're living under mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but this is glorified yeah this is this is this is what what our culture glorifies our music yeah what 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 we're looking at like yeah. Everything, you know, it, it's just, t- to me, like, what you're talking about, though, yeah. it, it's a dismantling of an entire way that we look at what what is. I mean, even, I heard a comedian say, every person wants a black man to say that they're cool. Every mm-hmm. human being on earth, that's, that's all they really want is for a black man to be like, you cool. <laughs> right. And I understood the, the, the women that go back. The women that go back there, yeah. I understood that. Not even from my my relationship with men, right? My relationship with my family, yeah, yeah. My relationship with family members that that have been been toxic and abusive yeah. to me, yeah. That I have Stockholm syndrome because well, they took care of me too. And there's no that's another thing. So a lot of what these women were saying falls under the the myth of the you know protect the black man at every cost, right? Yeah. But also it also um, is because of the lack of understanding about mental health and trauma. We don't think that's a thing, right? For us, trauma is a completely normalized, right. right? Everybody got a problem. Everybody had to go through something. Like, yeah. you know, you just keep it moving. You just be strong. You know, we were slaves. We got through that. Like, the or, or your trauma isn't anything compared to, to my trauma. That, that right. la- or the last bitch I was with, she, right. she was tied up and raped. Like, right. you just molested. So like, it's like... <laughs> we've really... Because... And, and this is an issue of sometimes external validation. When we have... When we've been cut and we've screamed and we've said we hurt, the world says... Suck it up. Right. Nobody cares. Get back to work. Right. right? You black. You strong. You should be able to handle it. Or they say, nah, you're not cut. That didn't actually happen. And over time, it's just been like, there's no point in saying anything about your pain because you're just going to have to carry it anyway. And what that has created is we do not think of ourselves as traumatized. We don't think. And so when they talk about these women, like, how could they be? They were so dumb. They the ability to empathize and to put yourself in those shoes I mean is what you're really saying is shit I got raped and I I you don't see me out here doing x y and z 
right? That's what you're saying. You're not saying that it, it didn't necessarily happen that way. You're saying, one, it was their fault for putting themselves in that position. And you're saying, two, well, I got shit, too, and you don't see me out here doing an interview about it. I mean, okay, I, I, I remember like a family member telling me something that I've heard Badu say, which is like, that's how men are. Like, you know, she had those, them comments, and, and I love Badu, you mm-hmm. know? I love Badu a lot, actually. And she had some comments about, and who knows how they were taken out of context. Right. I wasn't right. in the conversation. That's the, the, the trouble with journalism, yeah, right? absolutely. I wasn't there, so I didn't see the whole thing. But her saying, you know, about the girls and the skirts and this, do you remember this? This was some years back when, mm-hmm. like, if you, the women, girls need to wear Change their clothes mm-hmm. because men can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. Basically, is what she was saying. Mm-hmm. And I remember a family member, you know, telling me like, "This is just how men are cut. Like, men are nasty. You know, men are nasty. So when your uncle tells you to sit on his lap, mm. don't sit on his lap. Men are nasty. But you know what confuses me? Women raise them. This is my whole point. The whole point. <laughs> so like, my point is like. Like this is why. What are you talking about? This is my point. I feel like that way. I feel like the accountability is ours. Like, like I'm not putting it all on us, but I'm talking about the change. Like, if we're gonna see a change, we gotta raise. We gotta raise differently. But in in fairness, I think people are. I think we are seeing more black male allies come out there. I think we are seeing. You know, uh, like Terry Crews. Somebody raised that man right. Somebody raised him Somebody right. Raised him go ahead, right. You go know ahead what Terry mama. Like, yes, give it up for Terry's mama real quick. Oh, but although I don't know, his wife might not have the same story. We maybe, don't know. You know, we don't know. We got you too, boo. We got you too. <laughs> we but, got you, girl. But our, my point is that, like, what I did try to step away from this and see, because we can get really sucked into the people who are stuck in an old way. But... I don't feel like that was the dominant. No, it wasn't. That was the dominant response. I feel like the dominant response has been, oh, wait, some shit's got to happen. And we're ashamed that we took so long to validate it. However, the dominant response has been to demonize the figure. Mm Mm-hmm. And not and, deal with the and and not deal with the symptom. Yeah, and right. to me, that is a problem. Yeah, you yeah. demonize or or to have compassion. Right, you know that the 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 faction of people that are saying, "Well, have love him," and he was abused too, and they're gonna abuse. We're 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 still talking about the person. Yeah. We're still believing in heroes and villains right, and anti-heroes, right, and that right, that right. that to me is what happens when you when you watch. For for hours, yeah. someone it becomes about him. Yeah, and yeah. and when I'm listening to the filmmaker's intention that it was about you know censoring the stories of survivors, which is number one the reason I'm happy I watched it. Yeah, to give them Absolutely. space. Yeah, but two also look at the culture that was around this person. Yes. that allowed the abuse to take place. When I saw some of them people laughing, talking about Aliyah or the uncomfortable laughter. Yeah. The, oh yeah, the 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 man who forged her marriage certificate. You mean, who said I saw her, um, and she looked scared and confused, like she wanted me to talk to her and didn't talk to her. That to me is those people. The the one that was like sh- shaded in like some mm-hmm. sort of witness yeah, protection yeah. program type thing that yeah. was talking about you know, kind of thought like these girls are stupid and then you know, but was the one saying you can't eat. Yes. Sitting there watching the abuse happen, yeah. being being an accomplice to it, to me that 
I want to turn our attention to that. To that. Cause or R. the Kelly, juror that said, I didn't like the way they dressed right. and talked. And yeah. so I didn't, his words were, I didn't like them and I didn't vote for them as though we were talking about a fucking reality show that you can call in and vote for your favorite person. And 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 to me, that Thea is more... R. Kelly is R. Kelly is R. Kelly. Right. R. Kelly's been but an abuser. Millions of him. R. Kelly's been an right. abuser. Right. Thank God he's getting dropped. Right. You know, but I'm I'm an artist. I'm like, oh, so he just getting that indie money now. Right. Like thank but thank God, like he's thank 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 goodness this information is out and maybe he'll be held accountable for yeah. his actions. I don't know what that means in this world, especially me that doesn't believe in prisons. But ho- hopefully, like this will have some sort of positive impact on his victims however i'm more concerned with our culture yeah and the way that our culture has created a monster a monster when there's monsters there's many and there's monsters in here in in us it only takes the right trigger right for someone to become monstrous right well, and the right conditions. Exactly. Right? The right environment, the right ecosystem, right? So I think though, in all in all truth, like this is well one, why we decided to create the podcast centered on joy and pleasure. Yes. Going back to what I was saying about why I wanted to become a, a sex therapist, where I feel like a lot of healing in the black community can start is around the issue of desire and reclaiming what I want and knowing it for yourself, because that requires a healing between this, the psyche and the body, which is where so much of our trauma happened and still happens. It's the skin that we're in, right? That in the body that we carry, that we're blessed to have, right? That also carries with it the stamp of approval for society to, dis- to dismiss our emotions as though they are not Valid. We we are not treated like emotional bodies yeah. in the world globally. We're treated like physical bodies, and we've come to see ourselves as only physical bodies, and to disconnect that from our emotional identity and our psychological identity, our spiritual identity, and our sexual uh, identity. So I think that if I had to name three things that you know our podcast, like what we're doing, work like what I want to do, is all about, is going to be within the Black community taking on erotophobia. Mm-hmm. homophobia mm-hmm. and really explaining to black people what trauma is in in our language in our terms not in these clinical western white terms but really say you know when you can't sleep like that what that is you know that you yeah. shouldn't have a stomach pain for a week straight, right? right? When we really, you know that when you don't want to go to such and such's house and you start to feel a certain kind of way what that is and we need that kind of, which is why you know I'm all, which is why I'm all about decolonizing these yeah. things. Yeah, and and I want to talk about like, like I, I hear you kind of we're transitioning to words from my heart, like kind of solutions. And for me, what I see and what I've experienced is, I think that there's a possibility for us to have healing sexually, one on one, absolutely in our bedrooms, mm-hmm. and. What I see is it being, does this feel good for you? Do you Mm -hmm. like this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Having conversations with our partners. Why do you like this? Where Mm -hmm. does it come from? Why don't you like this? Mm -hmm. 
moving beyond friction-based sex, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's good for a while. I think friction-based sex feels good for a while. Mm -hmm. I think orgasms are amazing Mm -hmm. for a while that are based on friction. But moving beyond friction-based sex, we have so much access to Mm -hmm. so much information. Like literally, you can fire up any app on your phone and find some information about how to utilize your sexual energy Mm -hmm. in a new way. Yes. Trying things in an intimate setting Mm -hmm. that aren't just... Okay, now I'm gonna get up and you're gonna do, put it in. I'm yeah. dug style, and you can get on me and pump, 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 mm-hmm. and then I'm suck your dick, and then you mm-hmm. go down on me. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, mm-hmm. y'all been in that menu for a mad long, mm-hmm. and instead of just switching to a new partner mm-hmm. because you're bored, maybe or mm-hmm. there's a, many reasons you may switch to another partner. Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but maybe exploring some depths to that yeah. sexuality with that partner that you're with. Yeah. Okay. Like when we were having sex, I started crying. Why? Yeah. Why were you crying? Let me tell you, can I tell you what came up for me? Can I tell you what was going on? Breathing together. You know, like there's, there's so many to me, I feel like our healing comes from that creative, that creation place, that creation space, our sexual trauma and our sexual healing I feel like they they're they're intertwined. They are because they're they're housed in the same in the sacral. And, and so we can listen is, and talk and yeah. and we can build and we can go to therapy and but I think until we're sitting in front of yeah someone that we're attracted to that we we feel a sense of safety enough to get naked with and and really yeah. start to explore those things one on one like me sitting and talking to my partner saying. I want to talk to you about me watching Surviving R. Yeah. Kelly yeah. and all the things that came up for me when I was watching yeah. it. And I had those conversations with my girlfriends too. Yeah. I was processing it with my close girlfriends, with yeah. you and other girlfriends, right? But me going to my partner and saying, yeah. yo, I need to talk to you about some stuff that yeah. came up for me. And and this sexual act or this sexual act came up in my mind. What are the images that I saw? And yeah. being, being intimate enough, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like being... Being and cool enough to have that. That you're talking about requires two basic things, though, hmm. um, which are fully possible. And they start with asking people, what do you like? Hmm. So that's actually my assignment for people is to just start to ask the people in your life, what do you like? Right? That What that does is activate two chakras hmm. that are necessary for us to even have the one-on-one dialogue that you're talking about, which is so essential, right? Right. It requires us to be able to feel. The second chakra is the right to feel, Mm -hmm. right? Not the right to an emotion, the right right to feel, to experience something, right? right? And the second chakra it it, uh, activates is because you have to express it is the authority chakra, which is your throat, right? Right. So you have to be able to know you have the right to feel um, and then to express what you feel. And so this, if you can do that, a lot of us have trouble even doing that on our own because we don't think about it. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying the assignment I'm giving folks is to just start to ask people you care about, what do you like? 
If they struggle with it, that's fine. It's not a test. But what it does is it starts to get the brain thinking about why am I struggling with this question? And to encourage them to use their throat chakra, their authority to express it. And then we get to these conversations with your partner where it's like, hey, I realized I'm expressing now that this does not feel good to me. I feel like I now know I have a right to express that and I have a right to feel that I don't like that, right? Yeah. These, this is, it sounds so basic, but we have to really, really, the things we talked about today are really difficult and complicated and sad. And I, I and, get sad and, and I'm not trying to be, you know, that person, but it really, really bothers me when people don't take seriously the effects of being kidnapped from your home country and being enslaved yeah. that way for 400 years. It really, when people yeah. gloss over it and the daily terror yeah. to the body, to the family, to yeah. the psyche, yeah, and, then they, and then they expect so fucking much from us. They still expect us yeah. to carry them and care for them and set trends and excel in all these ways. And guess what? The reality is we have. But, <laughs> but, I, I, but, think, but I think it's but, important, Thea, that we remember our pathology. Mm-hmm. Our pathology, see, I have a lot of grace for black people mm-hmm. in both a, a grandiose sense and an intimate level. Mm-hmm. Because, and I hope those people will have grace with me mm-hmm. because of what you just talked about. Yeah. Like we we are we are still in a we are still in a, in a daily oppression, right? I have a lot of grace for black men. I have a lot of grace for black women because of what you just talked about. I know that it isn't um, it isn't a conscious choice that we're making to subjugate black women and not mm-hmm. care about mm-hmm. black women and girls. Mm-hmm. It is it is a symptom of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And because I know it's a symptom of white supremacy, I know that, okay, then it's, let, let me go to eradicate it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make you, black man, my enemy. Mm-hmm. You need to be my comrade in this. Mm-hmm. That's whether I'm in a relationship, mm-hmm. a, a heterosexual relationship or not. You know, mm-hmm. if, I'm a, if I'm a queer person that's with another mm-hmm. black woman, I'm still going to be engaging mm-hmm. black men, cis black men as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like... For for me, for us to heal, mm-hmm. none no black person can be my enemy. No yeah. black person can be um, my captor, right? Because we're we're all we're all sub, we're, we're all survivors. But, but that's why that's why I spent so much time and wanted to make sure I went back to the part about black male sexuality and the development for of sure. that. Because I don't view black men as the enemy, but I do need them to be aware of their impact on. My on, on me, on my daughters, or, or people around me, and I need black women to be aware of the same thing. It's not either or, it's because both. we both. It's both, right? And but what I am saying is, I don't think that it. So if I call, if I say something about a black woman in our spaces, people don't jump up to protect that. People don't feel like, oh, well, don't say that about all black women. Yeah, it hurts so bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it hurts so bad. Like, but, dude, if, like- but I'm gonna say, if we say. Hey, black man, don't do that. That hurts everybody's 
like, wait a minute now, we have to have, and I'm just saying that like, it hurts. that needs to, all of it, it needs to be able to be said because what that ends up doing is if I can say something negative about black women and nobody stops me and that says, okay, that's allowed. But if I say something about feedback, about how I feel like I'm being treated by a black man, then that is protected. And so that we have to really think about like that piece of it. It's just not, Mm. we just have to own that. It's not as okay to critique black men as it is to critique black women. And that's, I'm not saying that's anybody's fault, but it is a it's reality. a reality, right? It's a, it's it's a, a reality. Re- it's a reality. It's a reality that the the mule of the earth. That's a reality. It hasn't shifted. No, is, is it shifting? Yes. Yes, I believe, and it's shifting with the help of black men. It is so black men, and that's what it takes. I mean, that's just like that's a beautiful thing. Like it's it's shifting with the help of black men who are like, wait a minute, like that's not cool and there you know there was uh there was I saw it through different Twitter interactions right where um some of the women from the film would be being attacked and a black man would jump in they would be being attacked by a black man by black women but the black woman would be siding with the black man who was attacking and it would be another black man so I I'm not I I see I both do, of it I, I see do all feel, of it I do feel like the generation that's in their 20s now are a lot different actually. oh yeah I agree they're a lot different in how they're relating to gender and sexuality. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like in just in the Thank whole goodness. But I, I, it's it's because I, I really do feel it's because of us. Yeah. Like people that are are our age. Yeah. Yeah. And the work that we've been laying down. Yeah. Of and how like our generation has been so vocal about. No, no, you will not erase me. Yeah. No, you will not ignore me. Yes, you will. You will take care of me. You will yeah. take care of my needs. You will yeah. acknowledge them. Yeah. Our, I will. I will experience equality. And I think that those that are in their twenties, that are teenagers now, they have a very different. Yeah. I'll give you a good example. I when when Chance the rapper, he he, he was really honest. Right. And he said, "I had to examine and realize." That a big part of why I didn't believe was they were black women. That was real. Yeah. And him saying it meant a lot. Yeah. Right? Because it's um, gaslighting. Yeah. And him saying it mm-hmm. was so, it was like one, one of the most beautiful things that came out of it was like, and he's respected and he's all these things. And, and he's respect, in a lot of ways, he's respectable. And so. Yeah. For him to have to him for him to own that was huge, and I think you're right. I think this generation is ushering us and leading us um, into spaces where, like, that's not okay. You know, we still have other generations who, yeah, who I mean, are holding it hold and, tight. And, and I think that that's what we need to be yeah. aware of. Like, yeah. we are part of a generation of of men and women yeah. who. Or protect the black man at any cost. We're the transition. Why are we always the transition generation, though? I feel like for everything, for technology, I mean, it's a, for the economy, it's a lot. We're but, the transition. But generation. I think that those that are coming up behind us, I mean, they're they're really engaging in in women in a the, thinking about women, thinking about black women differently. Yeah, and like yeah. we're laying that groundwork right now, and yeah. I just want to keep that like. That in our mind, yeah, that, for sure. That it's you know the yeah, my, a lot of the a lot of the uncles are trash out here. They garbage. 
you know, yeah. but but young, my, but my nephews ain't. And that there there are high rates of, I mean, not high rates. I won't say that. I don't know if that's high rate, but there are um, um, female abusers. Yeah. So that's why, the, like, the accountability has to be across the board. Absolutely. It has to be equitable. Yeah. We by focusing on one, we're we're so e- either way, right? If we if we say the the you know black men are doing this wrong, then we're not seeing the female predators, right? If we say only you know black girls are being hurt, then we're not seeing the male victims. And so there's just like there has to be a, mean, a, a broader look at this. And really, I believe that. You know, I always go back to that. What was it? 53, 54% of white women that voted for That was walking papers. In the next five years, we're going to see a lot more inner work, like inner group work. Yeah, we're doing a lot of work in our community. And I, I think like, but maybe my last comment about the R. Kelly thing is like when you saw one of his victims and you saw that he had dressed his, his victim like in what was considered yeah. like a boy yeah. and yeah. cut her hair and yeah. all of those things. Like, I think that for me was a very big alarm mm-hmm. to say this issue we have is a cis hetero mm. toxic. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, I mean, even this conversation has been pretty like hetero and mm-hmm. cis, you know, cis bodied mm-hmm. conversation. But I think there was like a lot of nuance there mm-hmm. That didn't even get really dealt with. Right. And now we're going to really have to look at. Right. We're going to have to really look at the ways in which our sexuality is playing into things, our our perception of gender, like all of those things that we we still as black folks want to just keep, just push that down, want to suppress. You want to, black people are like, okay, I, I can really be open more open to sexuality, but yeah. when we start talking about gender, gender, then it locks back up again. And and like those other communities are a lot more open. Like we need to like really look about gender. I think so. I think so. In yeah. in our dominant culture, I do. Oh, wait, you mean in white culture? I need to know which culture. Oh. Like. You know, I, I work with people <laughs> of color a lot, and I'm like, Ooh. okay. I mean, people of color need some work. I think right. dominant white culture right now with gender is with, more fluid. with gender is is more fluid. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see that. But the way that our culture, and I can are, also say that I feel like um, one of the reasons the queer community is, I feel, is so highly attacked is because I think they're actually much more sexually. Um, attuned and liberate, liberated. Like there's like a lot of my, and that's not that's a, I'm not trying to make a blanket statement, but but I'm saying like in my experience working with the different populations, I I have, I feel like my um, outside of the identity marker socially, the actual expression and feeling like they have support within the community to express themselves sexually. I find my clients, it's easier for me to find my queer clients more support mm-hmm. when I have my straight. And that, that could also be tied to sometimes um, that also aligns with like more open spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's, it is harder with my hetero cis clients to like explore just a conversation about sexual exploration. We got work to do. And desire. We got work to do. We're really locked in to, 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 yeah. to some really it takes, like... It takes, a lot, it takes a strong sense of I have a right to feel how I feel to come out as queer in right. a cis-hetero society, right? Like yeah. that's, that takes a lot of second chakra energy, right? right? And, and how that's managed, that can cause trauma and things of that nature. But just to even do it, 
is such a brave stance for saying, I have a right to feel how I feel, you know, that that's a sort of a can be traumatic rite of passage that, you know, that's not what happens in cis hetero spaces. Now, that sexuality can be handled that way, too. Right. Like when my kids got their cycle and we start talking about things, it was it was considered sacred and an honor and exciting and beautiful. It was never shamed. Right. Yeah. It can be thought of that way. There's ways that we can do that, but we just have. But in general, it. to in hetero folks, it's like a, a, a silence. Oh, sexuality God. is just a silence. I remember, like, just trying to talk. I I would just be, come home from college and just be like, yeah, like I want to talk to y'all about porn, you know, because right. I'm just a person who likes right. to stir stuff up in my family. Be like, whoa, <laughs> we're not doing that. Right. I love porn. Porn is a now they all thing. watch it. And an in, one of the most interesting facts that I learned um, so far in my sex therapy training is that heterosexual people consume more. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking? More homosexual content <laughs> than queer people. Like they have the porn that they like to watch statistically <laughs> has more elements of homosexuality. A lot of times in where people it doesn't do. surprise me, right? But, but but why can't we just talk about it? Why can't we just say it? Like why can't we just have these conversations? There's it's so it's so binding and so pointless and so dangerous to not say that when clearly your ass is googling the shit. Absolutely, I, I think I think we gotta have another conversation. I know, I know. this That's is the first. first. <laughs> this is this is we gotta keep talking about it. Well. Ask someone close to you what they like. Stir up that second chakra and that fifth chakra. Encourage them to engage in a reflection of their own desires. Yeah. My words from the heart are... mm, Mm. mm. I hope you find some pleasure today. I mean, this was deep. This was a lot. <laughs> but but this is why we're doing what we're doing. And I think this is really good that we talked about it because we've said that we're healing the culture through joy and pleasure. But this really gives you more of the backstory on why we chose to go this route versus going through like a typical mental health trauma-based lens. Yeah. Um, this is why we're doing what we're doing and excited to do it. I hope you have good, healthy, communicative sex today. <laughs> I wish you well. We love y'all. We love you.